create with Fran Sydney. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. This is episode 125. We are continuing our message about the importance of creativity as a way of improving the way we deal with events outside our our life and deep down in our family and the emotions that originate because of these events. And I will still be, be talking about what Kelvin Ramirez um, mentioned in one of his talks and um, this is uh, from a period where he was working in a school in New York. And why do I do this? Because it's so important that we really think about this period of Christmas as a time to unwind and to reconnect with certain people in our life that might be suffering from trauma, from unresolved trauma, and from problems that we might help to be more bearable if we use the art. And that's a good time. We have two weeks of let's do something to help. And I'm sure that once you get started with a routine which includes creative arts in your life, you might want to keep going. Even if you do not have trauma or anxiety or depression, music and creative arts are amazing. So let's go back to Kelvin, who was the high school vice principal in Bronx, New York. So that's in the United States. And he's talking about his students. You know, he worked there for, I think, nine years, if I remember correctly. And there were some students where, you know, you could see their behavior was so disruptive. They pretty much destroyed their career as soon as they started school in the first uh, three months. And this was happening not because they were evil or nasty or just because they were poor or disadvantaged, although this could be the root sometimes, but because these students had unresolved trauma. And so they had problems and they arrived in school with this uh, preconceived notion that, oh, I know what it's like in high school. I'm just gonna fight with everyone, even with the people they were there and they were trying to support them and to help them. They couldn't see that because they were like, I know I'm just gonna fight. I know what it's like, I know from my older brother. So there was a, a really stuck mindset, wasn't it? And uh, so the, the vice principal had to sometimes just let them go to another school because they were disrupting everyone else's life. It was very hard for him to let them go. And um, I would imagine he spent a lot of time just racking his brain thinking, what can I do? What can I do? Because he felt this personal responsibility. Why? They are leaving the school. Is there something wrong with the school? What can I do? And eventually he was able to create a different uh, solution, perhaps what you would imagine, you know, some people in, in my own city, they have this um, highly disciplinary attitude. It's a bit like a prison, they have warnings and they have detention. And if, even if you move a pen that you were not supposed to, you get punished. And what kind of adult are you going to raise in a way? I always wonder, right? And sometimes you want to catch these behaviors before they even start. And when is that? Well, that happens before you go to high school. It's when you are in ninth grade in the States and here we are in junior school. So what it did is say, right, let's help these people before they come here. And he organized six classes with about 30 students and he would meet every week with all these students. These are all very specific kind of students. The, one, the ones that were 
already a target, the, the one that the teachers had already identified as well, these are probably school leavers very soon because they are not doing well even here. So instead of giving the stick and punishing everything, you know, uh, Kelvin came out with questions. He asked them questions. He was actually interested in knowing what they were thinking. And the questions were things like, how do you think your family perceives you? How do you perceive yourself? Who, who do you think that you are in the world where you're in? And they, they had this short conversation, maybe five, ten minutes every time they met. And then they would all gather together and do some art making. So be engaged in something different from the fighting, the arguing, the, the warning, and then the punishment cycle. And uh, they would do maybe a still life drawing, and then they would look at that and say, well, how is the composition? How are the aesthetics here? What do you think about the perspective? What did you get right? What was, you know, something you can work on? But other times he would ask the students, well, why don't we draw a self-portrait? Why don't you show me how you see themselves? And then they would ask another student, why don't you draw a portrait of this person and see how people perceive you in a different way from one you perceive yourself. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? And I have to make one of my little aside here. It's sometimes incredible how we think of ourselves as being terrible and the others perceive us in a completely opposite way. And just last week I was talking to one of my amazing clients and she was saying at work, one of her colleagues said, well, I just admire her because you are so forthcoming and bubbly and everything. And, and she was relating this to me and laughing and said, well, me? I'm almost peeing myself before I go from one side of the office to the other because I'm terrified. But from the outside, everybody thought that she was bubbly and outgoing, etc. So how different this is, how differently we are perceived. Isn't that amazing? So to go back to this poor vice principal that I keep dropping when I'm talking about something else, he did this not once, not twice, but for weeks on end. And after many weeks of art making with these at-risk students, they had very good and deep conversations explaining how all this translates into the behavior, the perception that we have about ourselves, about the school, what we're gonna be, how we perceive the other people around us, how we are perceived from others, um, all these can be misaligned, can be all wrong, and that can be a problem because we go to school feeling very cautious and ready to fight, and we cannot develop self-esteem because we're in this defensive mode and I attack and, I, and you attack me. It's, it's just not good. And that's why people go and lash out in school sometimes because they have these negative ideas about people and things and systems that they had to be eradicated but not with punishment and warnings and detention but with talking and allow them to talk actually listening to them so what are the findings that kelvin can talk about after weeks and weeks of art making well he he's a researcher as well you know and not just a professor so he realized that the students they were not attentive in the class they were hyperactive they were a lot better. They are focusing better. They are thinking better about themselves and, and what they could do. They thought things were possible. And then um, he had groups of, you know, there were average students, there were better students, and they were at risk, very much at risk students. And in these three groups, he noticed differences. 
And um, the average students, for example, they improve their self-esteem just by doing creative, talking with other people and talking about behaviors. While Kelby noticed that uh, the high-risk students improved in a way that is incredible. So the way they were assessing their school problem changed. And the way they internalized the problem changed. There were less problems inside themselves. So they didn't have all this anxiety about going to school. And um, another conclusion that they came to in the end was, well, if I have a problem, it doesn't have to be me. It's not my fault. Sometimes it's a problem that that's how it is. And maybe I can do something about it instead of just hiding or attacking or maybe closing themselves to all help, which was the pattern that Kelvin was trying to stop with his early intervention. In, in all these groups of students that were at risk, the one you know, of all levels, uh, good, very good, not very good, whatever, they all said there was like a cleansing, this uh, cathartic effect that was going on because they were all doing something creative. They were talking, they were seeing the other students in the classroom in a different way, under a different light. And they, they understood how they could relate the experiences that they were having with other students in a different way. And uh, there were problems that were going on. There is no denying there were problems you can't just change with a session. So, for example, there were lots of kids that came from divorced parents or from single parents that were really stressed out with too much work and too much to do and not enough time or finances to help. There was a lot of stress going on in their house or in their community. There were problems with gangs. There were problems with all kinds of addictions and drugs. And so it was interesting because they opened the doors, you know, this Pandora box, and um, people started to feel free to talk. And so in the future, people would come to him, remember the vice principal, then would say, hey, why don't we start a special group just of uh, addiction or one, for example, of bereavement because it was common for some of the young students there to lose a family member that was maybe incarcerated or maybe lose a mom or a dad or a brother that had been killed in an accident at work or maybe killed by a gang member. So it was important to be able to talk about these things. And uh, one thing that I really liked is that once the students understood how useful it was to attend these groups, they were the one asking their own peers to join them. So the groups were growing and it was a big phenomenon because everyone was there, everyone was talking and so the whole climate in the school was changing. It was not this punitive uh, environment where you will get uh, this system of consequence and detention or reparation for everything, but they were actually able to talk about the problem and to let go of these emotions. I think it's a great thing and I would want to see this in all schools, from a primary school onward and even in home education worlds where the students find a way of relating how they perceive the world, which sometimes isn't the reality, it's what they think it is. That's their understanding, their perception, and we need to challenge a world that just punishes and punishes without trying to listen and trying to understand the, the children and their problem. 
And um, the big thing, you know, that Calvin mentions in, in his writing is that the kids that had bereavement, they had gang problems in the family and drugs and whatever, they realize, oh, I got problem here. I got trauma that hasn't been processed and I haven't had sessions with a therapist. I have something that I can't just really tell you what it is, but if I can just get down to what it is exactly, where it comes from by talking together and we can address that. So my dad is alcoholic, my mom is a single mom, cannot make a dime and she has to work all the time and I never see her. So but they start going back to the beginning of the program, then they can change their reaction to the environment, they can change their behavior and their behavior in the school will feel better. And I do know firsthand that when things happened in my family that were not good, I could see my children, how they reacted, try to understand and try to make sense of this and how uh, one of my children did at school, it was so harsh for him. And so you can tell that the behavior needs to be addressed, but not by punishing, but by listening. And sometimes it's at home feel good, they go to school, they unleash, because it's so hard for them to make him, maybe the assumption that everyone else is doing well, but actually they're not. A lot of people have many problems. So when the school feels responsible for helping the students who are suffering, and this creates a, a much better environment where we can all grow together and heal together. And that is an amazing point to, to bring, especially in these weeks after Christmas and leading to the new year when we think, what can I do differently? Sometimes the one big thing we can do is to stop judging people who are displaying difficult and challenging behaviors and assuming they're all criminals, they're going to end up in prison, but actually understand that that's the way of understanding their situation. And maybe if I get to talk to somebody, um, they can find a way. And sometimes, as I said in the previous episode, it is the case of giving them this outlet, this music or dance or, or creativity. And for this reason, I have um, put together a few quotes that I would love to share with you if you let me. So maybe this week we still have um, a good week off. Let's think about what we can do to feel better, to channel those emotions in a healthier way. That's my gift for you. Some quotes. Let's, let's go with the first one. It's from Mata Hari. She said, The dance is a poem of which each movement is a word. And then I have one from uh, Unreadable. Debasis, Debasis, Mrida. I'm going to have to write this. And it says, music can heal the wounds which medicine cannot touch. It's an amazing thing. And um, I love to read uh, something from Alex Doman, who is a music producer and also entrepreneur. And um, he said, listening to music has a positive impact on our health by helping us recover faster when we experience stress and through the reduction of stress hormone cortisol to help us achieve a calm state or homeostasis. And, and I think he's got a good point there because cortisol, you know, can lead you to death eventually, the stress hormone, and the higher the is, your immune system will just crash. The higher the is, the less your health will be. So listening to music, being creative by listening and dancing and moving, it's such a basic thing. And, um, you know, look at the tribes and how they celebrate with music and cry with music, celebrate happy, happiness. It's 
is a therapy and um, there is a music therapist called Erin Seibert and he said the music is one of the longest standing self-prescribed therapy in history and I absolutely agree. I also love a quote from Michael Bassey Johnson who said music replaces the past memories, awakens our forgotten worlds and make our minds travel. How true this is. You can really get those old memories, the good memories back when you listen to the music that you listen to when those things were happening and our brain is an excellent auditory memory and we just remember stuff just by listening to the music. Now there are lots of types of music that they can you know possibly help you and uh, there's a fun quote from Kamand Kojuri that says classical music is the best and cheapest mind-altering drug in the world and I thought yeah you know that, that you know it's better than cocaine right I quoted so many times this um, experiment that was made in, in all people homes many years ago that was quoted in an episode from a special episode from BBC many years ago 20 years ago and it was pooping pooping putting a lot of people they were in a um, kind of old people home and they were all suffering from all sorts of problems and stress and things and I said this before so I don't want to go mad but they were listening to music from the 50s which was the music of their youth and dancing and watching all the stuff from the past and their um, depression, weight problem and uh, painkiller problem and arthritis, everything improved just by listening to this music and going back to those memories because music has the extraordinary power to stimulate those emotions that we have to evoke the memories. And to quote a very famous TED talk called Your Brain on Music by Alan Harvey, you really have to watch it. He explained exactly why, because the level of the hormones called oxytocin in your bloodstream, um, they go up when people are singing together. Interesting. And um, when you have oxytocin, which is also the same hormones you get released when you give natural birth, you associate it with empathy. Uh, with relationship building, with trust, and our sensitivity to pain and stress hormone cortisol decrease when we are involved in group music making activities. So when you sing in a choir, you're in a band, you're doing something, you're creating something a lot more complex than just music. And that's why uh, Alan Harvey said, Research shows that at least some musical education has a positive impact on social and cognitive development of children. And these effects are long-lasting. You have better hearing, better motor skills, improved memory, better verbal and literary skills. So when you, you're bringing art to the school, you are creating a safe space for the student to share their voices and hear other voices. You can hear them in conversation, you can hear them as they sing. It's important to listen, it's important to do things together to create a community and just get unstuck from, from those mobile phones and texting which are not really useful for communication and for really reading the body language and reading into the soul. Okay, I think we talked for a long while about the power of talking about your problems out and not just hiding them inside and then self-harm or get medication and emotional eating and all sorts because we all need to heal by talking to people, connecting to others, sometimes be creative with them. And this is not about making beautiful art and beautiful music, but sometimes just about making them or enjoying them as a passive a user still very good and way better than drinking, smoking, getting high on drugs and, and do disfigure your body, whatever, in the effort of 
getting these um, emotions and, and your tears out of your body. So let's get more art, more creativity, more, more talking to a good friend in the next year, 2023. Let's connect more because that's what humans need. We need connection. So there we go, that's the end of another episode and thank you so much for being with me and I hope you will like it and share it with everyone and be a subscriber in my YouTube channel where this uh, episode is fed normally. There is no, there is just the audio there, not the video because I know one day wants to be on video all the time, it's just not very good for your own health. And uh, so but just be a subscriber that helps me and helps everyone to hear the message that we can create the life that we want by using mind hacks, by understanding the science behind our behavior. Thank you again for being with me and I'll talk to you very soon. Bye. You've listened to Create with Franz Sydney.